You're listening to the Community Church in Orange podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I want to welcome you here this morning. I've, um, I've got a message I want to share with you. That's not a kitty, that's a skunk. And uh, I know I've had people like, probably are like, what in the world is, is this all about? It's a strange title to a message, but uh, uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 1 says this. And then he said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, and if he were thrown into the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Let me list for you a few things that you should not say. <laughs> Don't feel bad. A lot of people have no talent. He is dark and handsome. When it's dark, he's handsome. <laughs> As an outsider, what do you think of the human race? <laughs> Hey, these are things you don't say, folks. I'd like to kick you in the teeth, but why, why should I improve your looks? At least there's one good thing about your body. It's in, it isn't as ugly as your face. Hey, I'm just telling you, folks, don't say these things. Brains aren't everything. In fact, in your case, they're nothing. Did your parents ever ask you to run away from home? <laughs> If I had a face like you, I'd sue my parents. Any similarity between you and the human race is purely coincidental. Amen. So these are things that you don't say. I'm just giving you some heads up in case maybe you use some of those in there. Just don't use them. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, when I was a child, I began the title of this message because of scenario and situation that happened to me when I was a child. Um, uh, I grew up, I spent several years in a little small town uh, called Burkett. It's between Coleman, Texas and Cross Plains, Texas. If you don't know where that is, you don't really need to know because it's literally in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I wish I'd brought the picture, put the picture up for you guys to see the, the house that we grew in. It was horrible, the situation, and, and it's even, even more deteriorated now. I drove by there actually not too long ago when we went to Abilene and... and uh, Took Leslie and we just kind of drove through the town, you know, kind of going down memory lane. That's kind of a bad memory lane. And uh, but one night I had a friend, you know, back in those days we used to walk around at night and do things, and you know, it didn't worry too much about being kidnapped and stuff. And and there were a few little streetlights in 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 the small community that we're in in Burkett. And and we were walking down a gravel road. A friend of mine, we were going from my house to his house, which he just lived a little ways from us. And as we were walking. In the distance, kind of in a shadowy area, there was a, a kitty that was walking towards us. And uh, so I was like, oh, look, it's a kitty. So I stopped, and it's kind of halfway dark, and, you know, I was like, here, kitty, 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 kitty. I said, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And the kitty wasn't coming to me for some reason. I don't know why. And uh, so as I got closer, I realized that that wasn't a kitty. That was a, yeah. So with that being said, I, I, I brought you guys a present this morning. I've asked Chester more. Come on, show Chester some love. Yeah. 
So when I was growing up, my daddy called these streamlined kitties with the fluid drive. <laughs> What's the name of the kitty? Or the kitty? What's the name of the skunk? Very inventive name, Peppy. Peppy. Oh, yeah, Peppy Le Pew. <laughs> Hi, Peppy. How are you? This is you, the biggest crowd Peppy's ever been in front of. Is it? Oh, has he got a scent bag removed and all that? Yes. Yeah, since he's six weeks old. So thank God there's no scent. He's only six weeks old? No, when he was six weeks oh, old, since he removed, he's two years old. Well, thank God he doesn't have a scent bag. Amen? You know, they're kind of like a kitty, aren't they? Mm-hmm. In the sense that they're really docile. And, mm-hmm. and so God gave them a scent bag to protect them, actually. Amen? Exactly, exactly. So, amen. Thank you for bringing that. I just wanted him to bring us a skunk so we could see it. Thank you, Chester. Maybe we should have got a real one and turned him loose and just see if revival would break out. They said a squirrel caused a revival. You don't know what a skunk will cause. I use that as an, uh, an illustration to point the fact that sometimes I think we're playing with the kitty when in fact we're holding the skunk of unforgiveness and bitterness. And the truth about that, that unforgiveness and bitterness, and I said earlier, Stephen didn't know I was preaching this message. He actually called me last night, was kind of laughing at the title, but he didn't know I was, what I was preaching on. I believe with everything in me, this is the will of the Lord for me to share this today. And... The reason I believe that God wants this shared is we are fasting and praying in preparation. On the 23rd, we're going to be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Dr. Dole Jones, who's one of my uh, professors at Southwestern, he's he's been a mentor of mine. I actually serve on his missions board, and I've traveled with him all over the world to a lot of locations. I've helped him plant multiple churches in various locations. uh, I've been a part of helping him plant a church, churches in Nicaragua. Leslie even got to go with us on the last church plant at Ciudad Sandino. And so he will be here with us on Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to be sharing a little bit more about that. But Dr. Dole Jones is no doubt an apostle of the Lord. He's planted 53 churches all over the world. Two of them currently run 25,000 people in each church. Now, he doesn't call himself an apostle, but I believe that he is an apostle of the Lord, one that is being sent forth to do that work. And the truth is, I was with him at one point in Nicaragua. In six weeks, we had 1,000 people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, people are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday, and people are going to be healed. So become, come with an expectation. So that's why we are fasting and we are praying. You know, a fervency of prayer, a, a, a renewed interest in fasting, because The truth about fasting, really what that does is that prepares you to receive something from God. And so the reason I believe that this message is important is because as we move towards this Pentecost Sunday, as we as a body uh, are moving towards a, a divine move of God's Spirit that has been prophesied, has been spoken. I've had people share so many dreams and visions and things that just come at me all the time and then Brother Mallory's you know, recent experience with God where we went off and got drunk on a bridge. You should write that, that, that message, drunk on a bridge. And don't know how I got home. Sounds like a country song, doesn't it? <laughs> He'd have to throw mama in there somewhere, I don't know. But as we are moving towards Pentecost Sunday, that in order for Jesus to move in your life, If there are barriers and things and hindrances to his fulfillment of his plan in your life, 
then the Spirit of God deals with those things. He confronts them because he's looking for a bride that is arrayed in white, that is pure, that has settled the fact with all of the conditions and the things that would be hindrances to the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit. That's what I desire more than anything. And if you are visitor here, one thing that you'll learn, and those of you learn here, I am more interested in the presence of God giving the liberty than I am anything in this place. Because I understand this reality, that the Spirit of God can do more in a few moments than we can do with a thousand sermons. The power of the presence of God is what really changes people. The atmosphere in the environment is not set by a fog machine or lights. It is set by the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. Not sitting there saying I'm opposed to those things. We'll never do fog machines. I'm not a fog machine guy. I'm not. I'm just sorry. Maybe you'll use them in a play or something. I I like what Mario Murillo says. Fog machines, big screens, and skinny jeans. You know. There ain't no skinny jeans up here. Come on. Hallelujah. We wear chunky jeans at community. That's why they're stretchy. Hallelujah. Stretchy pants. You see, I believe that Satan's plan is simple. It's the old tactic of to divide and conquer. But it isn't the will of God. Really, what he's trying to do is to divide you from the will of the Father, divide you from the presence of the Father, divide you from the love of the Father, and divide you and I from the fellowship of one another. Because as we come together in one, and we deal with things in our life that maybe are hindrances to the presence and the move of the Holy Spirit, what it does is it opens up the highway to the free flow of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever evacuated at the last minute to a hurricane? I mean, that's one thing that when we went there, they're like, you know, you better get while the getting's good. Then they called mandatory evacuation, son, I'm out of here. I hope everything's left standing when I leave. I learned a lot through this last hurricane. And I'm praying that's the last hurricane that Horns, Texas ever experiences in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I've not experienced being on the road with numerous people and having to sit and wait because of traffic jams. I know when they said mandatory evacuation, they're like, where'd Pastor Lloyd go? He's gone. He's a chicken. (laughs) Learned a lot through that scenario. Because I didn't want to get stuck on the highway because I know that if I get out there and there's a lot of traffic, it will hinder the flow of the move and we won't get where we need to as quickly as we can. And I believe that the Holy Spirit speaking that into this church this morning and to you as an individual, that first and foremost, God wants to flow through you personally in your personal life. And so as he flows through you personally, the result of that, when we come together corporately, the flow of the Spirit of God has given that liberty to experience his touch throughout the house. But when we allow things in our life that become hindrances to the flow and the manifestation of the presence of God, Satan loves that. He loves to get you offended. We live in an offended generation. We just went through a political season that like none other. We just went through a time that where our nation has been absolutely divided down the middle. 
And I'll tell you that that same divide that was in the political arena in America, I have seen it operating also in the church. The truth is, a thousand years from now, your politics won't matter. But what will matter is the way that you live, the same things that you say, and the things that you do. Right now, you are setting the destiny for your eternity. So God, in His mercy, in His love, He comes and he begins to speak to you and to deal with you because if you have offense in you right now, the Holy Spirit cannot operate through that. He said it in this manner in John 17. I do not pray for you alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Everybody say one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Everybody say one. That the world may believe that you sent me. I'm going to stop there for a moment. The way the world knows that we are the children of God is we are united together in fellowship with one another and in Jesus. And that the world sees that unity that's in him and the Father, the world sees that in us and they are drawn to that. In verse 22, And the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may also be just as we are one. Everybody say one. one. I and them and you and me that we may be, may be perfect in one. Everybody say one. one. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. A lot of ones in that, that entire passage. Amen. So when we see this, we see the reality that Jesus, even, in, even before his resurrection and even before his enthronement in heaven, he was praying for you and me because he understood the tactics and the schemes and the plans of the enemy. If he can divide a body, if he can divide a church, he can destroy the work of God in that place. It doesn't matter the, how great the facility is. It doesn't matter how incredible the programs are. If there is division in the house, the presence of God cannot, and I will put it this way, the presence of God will not operate in that house. So there is a necessity that we understand that we must be one as he and the Father are one. Unity is the absolute, total, complete will of God. So I've always said it this way. How do you get a world of people together with different cultures, with different beliefs, with different understandings, with different histories, with different ways of thinking? How do you bring them together in one? I'll tell you how that do. When they get the mind of Jesus, they become one. So what is the mind of Jesus? I'll tell you what the mind of Jesus is. It's the Father's business. It's that the lost sons and daughters come into relationship with Him. At the end of the day, there is nothing greater that we can and should do than not only support missionaries... But we understand that God has placed us into this reality of mission ourselves. That community church is not only sending out, and and Stephen kind of alluded to it. My goal and desire is to see community church giving a million dollars a year to missions. We're going to do it. But that means that God's people are going to be on board with the mission of God. And the mission of God is not just building a bigger, better organization. The mission of God is the lost sons and daughters in this apartment complex across the street from me. The mission of God is the drug addicts and the alcoholics that are in the Dream Center today. 
The mission of God is the moms and dads that are going through divorce. The mission of God is the families undergoing abuse. The mission of God is any lost soul that is outside the walls of this church today. That is the mission and the plan of God. So what we are doing right now is getting us ready for what God's calling us to do beyond the walls of this body. If we'll begin to operate in that capacity in the plan and the will of God, in essence, if we get the mind of Jesus, we begin to think like he does. We begin to see like he does. We begin to act and operate like he does. The result of that is Jesus will pour out his presence in an abundant manner. He will fill the house. Souls will come into relationship with God. But I can tell you right now God wants to deal with the offense that's in your heart. What offends you? Jesus said it plainly. The reality is is that there are going to be offenses. He said, and he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. So the word offenses here literally means a bait stick, a hindrance, or a stumbling block. It's literally the part that's used to hold the bait in the trap. Now, how many of you ever set a mouse trap? I hate mouse traps. They got them sticky ones now, and people are like, oh, that's so, I can't do that, so cruel. I don't know about you, but I always hated setting a mouse trap because... You know, I'd be like, oh, okay, I, I made it. You, you know what I'm talking about? And you know the little part that you stuff the peanut butter or you stuff the cheese on? That's what it's talking about. It's not the cheese that's the offense, but it's the stick that's holding it. Let me tell you, the bait that the enemy is trying to present into our lives really is that we get to a place that things offend us. I want to get to a point in place in my life that I can disagree and not be offended. Come on. I, I, I'm going to use Terry. He's a great example. I love you, Terry. Terry and I have butted heads before, haven't we, Terry? We've butted heads, haven't we? We've disagreed. That's because you're wrong most of the time. But We're just a couple old goats, amen? I say it and go, no. <laughs> But I'm not offended. Terry and I have a relationship that we're going to be times we're going to disagree. And there are people in your life maybe that you have that same type of relationship. I can tell you this. There are some things it's best just to walk away and not say anything and leave it be. You know, when you're scrolling on Facebook and you're tempted to make a response and the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh-uh, I'm going to give him peace of my mind in the Spirit. So he said it's impossible that no offenses should come. So the reality is we live in a world where there will be offense. And the enemy uses the bait of offense to get you to a place where he can trap you in the trap of unforgiveness. He sets the trap with offense. And when you take up the offense... For unforgiveness and bitterness is what snaps you down. You get the picture. But Jesus said the reality is there are going to be offenses and that the truth is those offenses really will become stumbling blocks to the will and the purpose and the plan of God. I can tell you this. I believe there have been many ministries and many individuals that have never moved forward into the will of God because they are shipwrecked on the shores of offense. In the pursuit of trying to pursue Jesus 
They get offended at a scenario. They get offended at a situation. Many times they leave church. They walk away. They run from one church to another because they were offended. I learned long ago, I had people come into a church, and, you know, that church down the street is the worst church on the planet, but your church is the best church on the planet. And I can tell you, invariably, it won't be long till we're the worst church on the planet, and they'll be moving down to the street to find another church that's the best church on the planet. Because that person has entrapped themselves into the place, they've taken the bait of the enemy that caused an offense, and the truth is, that unforgiveness and that offense that's operating in your life really is a snare of the enemy. And for, in order for you to move forward, you're going to have to understand that there are going to be offenses. There's going to be times in your lives that you get offended, but it's the way that you deal with the offense. Some people take up offense because they, maybe they think people are talking about them. You ever been around a paranoid person? Well, back in the, in the 80s, we had a, Domino's had a, a slogan, avoid the noid. They said that to me, avoid the Lloyd. <laughs> My wife didn't listen. Avoid the noid, avoid the paranoid, Hallelujah. You see, there are those that they think that every time somebody's talking, it's them talking about them. They could be in a football huddle calling a play, and they think that it's about them. You know what I'm talking about? Many times they think, well, people don't like me, and, 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 and maybe they've looked at them wrong. Or, or maybe there are those that say, well, I don't like the way that you're doing church because church should be done this way or that way. Or I don't like the way music is operating, and I've seen it even to this where... I don't like the color of carpet or I don't like the way things are done in this or that manner. The truth is there are some people that are going to take up offense no matter what you do. Come on. They're easily offended. Offended, But the truth is that in order to deal with offense, there has to be a place where you understand that knowledge really is half the battle. And so the way you prepare to deal with the offense the way that you learn to deal with it is understand the way it operates. So how many times have you been, maybe even in your own personal life, where you have been offended? Anybody ever been offended? I've been offended. Come on. I've been offended at Leslie. Leslie's been offended at me. There are times maybe there's some of you here that have been offended at me for whatever reason. I've, I've had people get upset with me as a pastor. It just, it's just going to happen. I know that it's, it, it's, not, it's not always good. I, I, I told Stephen today that we deal with scenarios. I'm going to start telling him, just you go deal with it and we'll play good pastor, bad pastor. <laughs> and then they'll come to me and I'll be like, oh, you poor soul, that's Stephen. I will tell you this, that most of the offense that people usually experience is really blown out of proportion. It's blown out of proportion by maybe the way that they think it is, or in truth, the enemy, once the offense is taken up, the enemy loves to come and to water that offense consistently with the voice of lies that he speaks. That's fertilizer for, for offense. Come on, y'all get it? The lies of the enemy 
or fertilizer for the offense. And so he continually waters, he continually prods, and it's like a wound that he picks at. And, and you know, and the more you pick at it, the worse it gets. It gets infected. And, you know, they, they said this about me or they did this. And so in your mind, you can't even, when you lay down at bed, you can't even stop replaying the scenario of what has been said or what has been done. I can tell you this, that the Lord wants to set you free from that. Here's the truth. You cannot be set free from what you don't want to be set free from. Some people hold on to offense and they hold on to unforgiveness and they hold on to under, un, uh, bitterness. But it's the truth about that is that it's not that you are holding on to it. It's holding on to you. You're not the one that's in charge in that. The, the, the enemy uses that literally like a chain around your neck. To hinder you in your pursuit of God. So maybe you come in this house today and somebody's done something to offend you. Maybe it's been a horrible situation that you've been through. And, and truthfully, maybe rightfully, you are on the right side of the scenario. Maybe you're not on the right side of the scenario. I've seen it time and time again where people think that they're on the right side of the scenario. Only to realize and recognize later on after the fact that really they were the one that was in the middle of the offense causing it. So there are two groups that are involved in offense, and I want to list them out for you. First of all, it is those that give offense. Those that give offense. Those that give offense, they love to crush other people in the name of truth. I just say it the way it is. I've heard that said so many times. And I will tell you, raised up in Pentecostal circles and around Pentecostal preaching, I've heard it used in that capacity where that the preaching becomes a tool that we can offend people because we are preaching the truth. I'll tell you, I probably I've been guilty of that even in my own life. Just because I'm right doesn't give me the right to misuse the truth of the Word of God to bludgeon someone to the opportunity of hell. Did you get that? Because when I use the truth of the word of God as a bludgeon, not led under the spirit of the living God, as a bludgeon and a tool to destroy the life of a person because maybe I'm right, you're wrong mentality. I will tell you, those are the type of people that give uh, offense. Not only in the sense of a preacher, but in individuals. And I've heard it said this way, well, I just chalk it up to my personality. It's the way I was raised or... I've, my mother used to say, well, I get mad because I got red hair. Wow, I didn't know that meant. I guess it's fiery temper. I don't know. So they chalk it up to personality, but whatever you chalk it up to, Jesus said it this way, woe to those that cause offense. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear Jesus say woe to me. He's not meaning like stop. He's meaning like, this is going to be bad, son. So those that give offense are people that really the enemy uses the situation to be that bait stick or that stumbling block by maybe the way they act or say some, some of the ways that they bring offense is, is gossip and slander. You know how much gossip I've heard since I've been here at Community Church? I've heard a lot about different people and various things and various scenarios. You know what I know about the past? There's not a blessed thing I can do about it. It doesn't matter what who's done this or done that. 
you know what? Those are just the realities of what happened yesterday. I can tell you what I am today. I am right here right now, and I'm all about us getting on track with the will and the purpose of God. And if you are living in the offense of yesterday, you cannot live in the presence and the power of God's deliverance and what he can do through you. So gossip and slander, I heard to say this way years ago, it said, if he inhabits our praises, who inhabits our complaints? Who inhabits the gossip? I'll tell you, there's an accuser of the enemy. And I would rather stand with the intercessor of the brethren, which Jesus ever lives to make intercession. I'd rather stand with the intercessor than with the accuser today. Hallelujah. So we bring, uh, through gossip and slander, they, through ridicule, the ridicule of individuals, through actions and attitudes. Folks, we are living in a time unlike any other where the sexual perversion of the age and the hour we are living in is rampant. I saw a video of, a, I may have mentioned this, I forget what I mentioned at times, but of a young couple in L.A. where they're, you know, they're all into, they call it ethical non-monogamy. Basically, you get to sleep with anybody you want in the relationship as long as we come back together. And now they're proponents of it. And listen, it's not just a small segment. It's becoming rampant through these tender dating sites. We are living in a, a progressively perverted sexual environment of our world that we're in today. Things that you would have never dreamed of now are going on. And not only going on in darkness, but it's openly done and openly displayed. So, so Satan has perverted what God really intended was a good thing in the context of a marriage between a man and his wife. But I know the truth. There are going to be those that are going to come through these doors that are bound by those things. And if we can't love them, what about the man who feels he's a woman dressed in woman's clothes? I'll tell you, that's not something I, I just enjoy. It's not something I want to chase after. It doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me at all. But can I love that person? You see, I don't want to be one that Jesus says, woe to you because you are causing a stumbling block. You are putting the bait of offense that would be an, uh, an opportunity for the enemy in any person's life. I want to be a vessel of the mercy and grace. Anybody experience the mercy and grace of God? Come on. So it's through the ridicule. It's through our actions and I would say our attitudes. We don't have to speak everything that comes to our mind. Some people use truth as a bludgeon to destroy people. So that's why James says it's really important to guard your lips. James 3, 5 says, even so, the tongue is a little member. It boasts great things. See how a forest, fire, uh, how forest a little fire kindles. And a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of the nature and set on fire by hell. I want you to notice this, that the Bible says that the tongue not only defiles your spirit, but it defiles the entire body. Some people have never learned to control their tongue. And I would dare say that probably one of the greatest difficulties that we face in the church today is people that are self-righteous, but yet they're gossips and slanderers. They're gossips and slanders. They pass on willing information. I had a person that was dealt with a situation probably 20-something years ago. And this person was spreading a rumor about an individual, a young girl, that saying she was pregnant and all this stuff. And that we didn't want old people in the church. And so when I, I, I talked to her about it, I was like, why are you doing this? Her daughter defended her and said, well, she's just bored at the house. Let me tell you, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be bored so bored that I go to hell. 
Notice it says it's a world of fire set on fire by hell. So what you say does matter, and you need to learn to allow the spirit of the living God to control what you say and what you do as to cause an offense or a stumbling block in the lives of someone. Now, there are those that give offense, then there are those that take offense. Jesus described them as little ones. What exactly is a little one? You know, there's some of you, maybe right now, you say, well, I'm one of those little ones, Pastor, you know. They said this to me, or this has been done to me. Here, let me give you a newsflash. You ain't so little anymore. You've been around this thing for 20 years. You've been walking with God for 30 years. But at the drop of a hat, you carry your feelings on your shoulders. And the moment someone says something you don't like or speaks to you in a manner that maybe you have discerned by the Spirit or spirits. Y'all get that? The way you said it, or it was the tone you said it in. What tone? What tone did I say it in? Well, it was just a, you know, people say, well, God saved my soul, but he hadn't saved my face yet. That's true. Come on. I love you. But you smell bad like a skunk. So they say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm one of those little ones, and you just don't know what I've been through, you don't know how the body of Christ has mistreated me. I had a pastor do this. I had a brother do this. I had a sister do this. And, and I've and I gone to church. And, and these are the type of people that you have to walk on eggshells around. Have any ever been around anybody like that? That you worry that every word spoken and every attitude or action is judged no matter what your heart is. There are many times that they, they, they live in such a state of, of ready to take up offense that the truth is, you can't even speak to them without them getting offended about something. If you are offended at someone and walking in unforgiveness, you need to get this. If you are offended at someone and walking in unforgiveness, you are held captive. You are literally enslaved to the sin of unforgiveness. Well, Pastor, there. What do you mean? They're supposed to come to me and, and beg for my forgiveness. They're supposed to come to me. And, and, and I was right in the situation because this is the scenario and this is the scenario and this is the scenario. Let's not worry about what they did. Let's worry about what you're doing right now with what they did to you. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to be put in prison. I don't want to ever be put in handcuffs. I don't want to ever be limited. When we went through COVID, the, the worst part, although the sickness was terrible, but I can tell you after two weeks of being in your house, I was literally about to go stir crazy. My wife was ready to kill me. <laughs> Do not put you and your wife in the house for two weeks and start cleaning the house. Because you'll throw away her shoes. She'll throw away your tools. You'll get a divorce. <laughs> you see, this unforgiveness is not only towards other people, but you have to also forgive yourself. Many times we can't forgive others because we can't even forgive ourselves. And the result of that, it is a cyclical process 
of the enemy where offense and unforgiveness and offense and unforgiveness and then bitterness and all these things begin to operate in your life. And you wake up one day and you've been offended for so long it has become natural to your being. I want you to get that. That you are used to being offended. You are used to becoming the drama queen in the situation. Come on, hallelujah. We need to get some drama mean up here. <laughs> so what causes us to take up offenses? First of all, Satan knows how to push your buttons. Oh, I, I know how to make my wife mad. Get out in the car and just start honking the horn. She don't like that, folks. I learned that early on. I'm coming. <laughs> Satan knows how to push your buttons. And the truth is, the place that you are dealing with this unforgiveness or bitterness, the place that you are held captive, spiritual forces are operating in offense. It's not just a thing that I just forgive. It is, though, that you make a choice to forgive. But there is also a spiritual force that is operating in that. And so the result of that is that there must be spiritual warfare operating in that place. The truth is, sometimes it takes a minute to forgive. Come on. That's just reality. You know, I don't, somebody comes, stepped on my toe. Oh, I forgive you. Somebody ran into my truck and almost hit my truck with their hitch. I forgive you. We're getting mighty close, folks. For those that you don't know, you can go to Facebook, you can see it. Stephen got this close to my bumper with his hitch. And he told me, we run a tight ship around here. <laughs> what he didn't know is somebody's ship's about to sink. <laughs> Satan's a button pusher. And he uses people to push your buttons. <laughs> he knows the things that make you mad. I'm convinced that he keeps record of your actions. And your reactions. Whoa, oh, they said something about her hair. Mark that down. They said something about the color of her dress. Mark that down. The way that they spoke it, mark it down. And Satan knows this. And invariably what you'll find in circumstances and situations, when he starts learning the way that you act and react, he will put people in your life to help push those buttons. You see, Satan doesn't have to get you off in the bars. He don't have to get you off into adultery. If he can get you into a place and a position of unforgiveness and bitterness, he holds you captive. So you can come in the house, you can lift your hands all you want, you can praise God, you can do all those things. But he said it plainly. When you have ought against your brother, you leave your gift at that altar and you go to that brother and you make it right. What's well, scripture? What do you mean, pastor? They're supposed to come to me. And, forgive, and ask for forgiveness. No. Jesus said when your brother sins against you, you forgive him. Now I will tell you that the, that the Lord will even test that in your life. He will allow difficulties and circumstances. Because at the end of the day, what he's trying to do is he's trying to produce men and women that are full of the Holy Spirit. And that can operate in a world that he said offenses will come. Can you imagine this? A criminal on one side, another criminal at your side, 
and you're the perfect spotless lamb of God and one is railing upon you and there's a crowd of people railing at you to cry out, Father, forgive them because what? You see, what they were in those moments, they were pawns and tools of the enemy. Some people give Satan their tongue. That's the truth. That's why it said it's a world of fire set on fire by hell. If you know the Bible, the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of, come on, everybody say it. So the father of means the progenitor, the one that brings forth lies. He is the, it's in essence, he plants the fertile egg of lies into the womb of unbelief. You can write that down. When he speaks the lie into your life and it goes into a place of unbelief and the truth of the word of God, then it begins to take life and begin to form in you. So Satan understands that if he could just get somebody in your life to begin to speak lies into an area, an arena, of place where you have unbelief that's operating in you, then he has you captive. And if he can hold you captive, I don't have to get you in bars. I can just get you deceived where you go to church and you think you can live in unforgiveness and walk it through the gates of heaven. That's preaching where you live. Pastor Thurman, what do you mean? You know, I'm a good guy. I give my tithes and I go to church. Yeah, but what about what so-and-so did to you 20 years ago? And every time they walk down the aisles of Walmart, you have to run because you're so angry you can't stand them. You grit your teeth when you see them. They mistreated you, mistreated your family. That's where you live, and that's where the Holy Spirit's trying to pinpoint today. It's reality. I've had people treat me terrible. I've had terrible things happen to me as a pastor. I had a scenario with the situation one time where I had like a split in a church and problems happened through an individual. And, and the result of this is that, you know, we became very, Leslie and I both, it was very hard to trust people. And God put us in a point that here's the truth. I would never be here unless I dealt with that. It's the truth. Because he's preparing me for tomorrow. And through this situation, this person, you know, it was terrible the things that happened through all of that. And ultimately, this person, after they left our church, got seriously ill, had children to take care of. It's like, kind of like your testimony. And the Holy Spirit said, you raise money and you help them. Help them? That's God's judgment on them. Y'all hear that? When people start operating like that and you think, well, that was God's judgment on them. Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He said, you help them. <laughs> All right, God, I'll help them, but I don't have to like them. I look like Walter, don't I? I'll help them, but I don't like them. God bless you. I forgive you. And so we're walking around, we're petting this skunk, calling it a kitty. You know what skunks do? They spray. Anybody ever been around skunk? Anybody ever been sprayed by a skunk? Whew. I've heard you can bathe in tomato juice, but I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. You know what about that spray of a skunk? It's, it's unbelievably unbearable. And if you're in close enough proximity, guess what? A little bit goes a long way. It's like dippity-doo. You young people, y'all don't know what dippity-doo is? 
Grace used to tear that dippity-do up. <laughs> I'm getting old. That's what they said, dippity-do. It goes a long way. You dip your comb in it. and I remember putting that in my hair going, ooh, in the 70s. Parting it right down the middle and wearing my wings. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Red Bull didn't have wings. We had wings in the 70s. You hold that skunk, it sprays you. If somebody's in close proximity, it affects them. Here is the truth, too. Every time you walk into a place, people are like, you got to go. You're overwhelming us with your stench. Right now, the Lord smells the stench of unforgiveness in your life. You think you smelled fine and dandy, but it's a stench in the nostrils of God. Why would that be a stench? God, that's a little hard on me. You don't understand what I've dealt with. Kind of running out of time here. You said there, we have to understand Satan pushes our buttons. And that really, I think the main reason we take up this offense is because we walk in the flesh and not the spirit. Galatians 5, 16, I say walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you not do the things, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So... Offense arises from insecurity and inferiority, but it also will at times arise from a self-centered and egotistical attitude that I have to be the center of attention. The truth is both of these need the cross. You see, he told them, take heed. That word means listen, to take notice, to hold the mind or to pay attention. Some people only learn through the school of hard knocks. I'm one of them. Come on. I've always used this word, wisdom is knowledge applied rightly. And, and, and here's the thing. Knowing what to do and doing right, what's right many times is two different things. Something about the worship team. Now, in order for me to deal with this, I'm going to give you some really, really spiritual advice. And he said, listen, some really spiritual advice is simply walk in forgiveness. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day, seven times a day, returns to you, say, repent, you shall forgive him. For many, they have made forgiveness, I want you to get this, they have made forgiveness optional. In accordance with the word of God, forgiveness is not optional. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. There's some dangers to not forgiving. First of all, not forgiving is opening yourself up to Satan. Secondly, not forgiving causes others to stumble in bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness cause springing up, causing trouble. And by this, many become defiled. So what we're doing is we're walking around, we're petting this kitty. It's a skunk. You like my kitty? No, I don't like your kitty. <laughs> 
here's the truth. You can look good in here to us. You got nice clothes. You fancied up. It's purple, purple Sunday, I think. You know, we all got the message, didn't we? We look good. We maybe lift our hands and praise God. But the question is, are you really walking in the place of forgiveness? Who's failed you in the past? Who's done you wrong in the past? Can you imagine this? If God said, well, they've done me wrong again. I'm done with them. They, they said something they shouldn't have said. They stumped their toe and they went, they didn't say bless the Lord. <laughs> I'm just done with them. You know, they, they said something to hurt one of my little ones. Can you imagine God doing that? That's not the picture of the God that we know, right? The picture of the God we know was on the cross that Father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. I'm telling you, there have been times in my life when I've been so mad in situations and circumstances. And Leslie will tell me, you know, the enemy's just using them. You know what? I, I don't want to hear that the enemy's using them because I'm not mad at the enemy. I'm mad at the person. Being honest here. But the truth is the enemy does use people. So what we're doing is we call it a kitty, but we're walking around and we're petting a skunk. I've shared the testimony of this before with my father. My father was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He abused me, abused my sisters terribly. We grew up in a home of poverty. He, one time I'd saved my money up and bought a BB gun. He stole my BB gun and sold it so he could buy a bottle of whiskey. I remember going to school, kids laughing at me because I had a hole in my shoe. I was racing a, a kid in my class and, you know, the inside of your soul come out, started coming out the side of my shoe and they were laughing and making fun of me. I, it wasn't my fault that I just didn't have shoes. I remember my sister going to Walmart, my brother-in-law going to, I'm not Walmart, Kmart. Remember the blue light special? And there was a blue light special going on. On not blue jeans, but they were green jeans. And they bought me some jeans. And I remember going to school and wearing those green jeans because you know what? I didn't have clothes. I was so excited to get some new clothes. And I remember a girl in my class. It's so amazing the things that stand out to you. One girl goes, man, Lloyd, that's really nice. You got you some new jeans. So I grew up in poverty. I grew up in a circumstance. It was horrible. So I got older didn't want anything to do with my dad I blamed him for the situations of my life here's the fact I was going down the same path he was if Jesus hadn't set me free I would be an alcoholic it's true I'd be a raging alcoholic and I was going down the same path but somewhere along this way when I was 20 years old God got a hold of me I went to an altar the night that I went to the altar and I laid it before Jesus. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Lloyd, if you go down there and you just, and I'm not real because I was dealing with whether God was real or not. If I'm not real, you go down there, you just lose a few minutes of your time. But he said, but if I am real and you don't go, you lose everything. And I went and I fell. I fell and I just began to weep. Weep. There was no, oh God, forgive me, no sinner's prayer. 
was a prayer that was going on in my heart. And I got up that, that you know, like you say you couldn't remember how to get home and you were drunk at the Holy Ghost. I got up, I was light as a feather. So much of the trash of the past had been lifted off of me, the forgiveness, the love, and man, it was incredible. Hallelujah. I was so in love with Jesus. He'd just done so much for me and just, it was incredible. But then I moved forward in several months and, and I'm an altar of prayer on a Friday night. And I said, Lord, it's not fair that I never had a dad. I had friends, they had brand new four-wheel drive Toyota pickups. They, their parents bought them brand new trucks. They bought them nice clothes. They paid for them to go to college. And it just wasn't fair. I didn't have all that. And the Lord began to show me. He said, Lloyd, I'm your father now. This is, you know, this revelation of who his fatherhood in my life was is incredible. But that isn't where Jesus stopped. He said, Lloyd, he began to show me. I, I can't explain it just like in my mind this incredible mountain of sin that he had forgiven me for it was huge the debt was enormous it was insurmountable I could have never paid that debt I didn't know the Bible folks but Jesus was telling me speaking to this the Holy Spirit was showing this in my prayer moment and then somewhere along that way the Holy Spirit brought up my daddy Hang on, we, we don't want to talk about him. No, no, we're going to talk about your dad. Lloyd, this mountain of sin that I forgave you, it's like he showed me in my mind. In comparison, this small pebble, boulder of the things that your dad's committed to, he said, I forgive you of so much, but you can't forgive your dad. I didn't have Holy Ghost goosebumps. I didn't have angels showing up or manifestations of any power or shouting service. It was just in an old wooden altar in a little church right there. I forgave him. I let it go. I let go every abuse, every time he slapped me, every time he cussed me, I let it go. Every failure that he did in our lives, I let it go. Because I realized he'd done so much for me. I couldn't help but let it go. That was when I was 20. I told this church, I never remember ever my dad telling me he loved me. Ever. I was 22 I led him to Jesus on his deathbed walked into that, ho that hospital he's on the ventilator he couldn't speak I just prayed with him and tears were just streaming down his eyes I believe my daddy's in heaven today the moment of forgiveness had started at an altar two years later led to the result of my dad coming to Jesus wonder how the heart of God must hurt at seeing situations and circumstances in your life when you think that you're free but really you're held captive by the failures or the, the hurts of the past or situations and circumstances. Maybe it's even in your own life that you can't let go of your own failure. The Lord is in this place present to bring forgiveness. 
Philippians 1.9, and he said, And I pray this, that your love may abound still more and more knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. If community church is going to move forward, there has to be real forgiveness for the past. Maybe you thought you forgave. Maybe you haven't. Not only community church, but here's the truth. You as the individual are a part of the whole. When the little toe hurts, the whole body hurts. The things you're experiencing are affecting every other one around you. You're not an island. If you're a part of community, you're a part of the family of God. The truth is, is what I've seen in my own personal life. Unforgiveness will impact your children and grandchildren. So we need to pass the legacy of forgiveness to those around us. Stand with me this morning. We've had a lot already happen. People come in the altar and pray. the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning I want to I want us to pray together as a body so lift your hands to the Lord I want everybody to just repent after me say Lord Jesus I repent of my unforgiveness and my bitterness they've hurt me but I'm going to let it go as much as you have forgiven me I forgive them. I release them to you to deal with the situation. Cleanse my heart and set me free by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus. I give forgiveness and I receive forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offer to praise. Hallelujah. Forgiven this morning. Forgiven this morning. Deliverance is in this house today. God, we just pray for those in our past that have hurt us. We pray the blessing of Jesus over them. I bless those that have hurt, cursed me, God. In accordance with your word, I pray your blessing over them. I pray that the eyes of their heart be enlightened, God. That if, God, those that have hurt me, I forgive them. And I ask, pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this circumstance. And, God, you would bring healing and deliverance, God. That so I can move forward and find true freedom in my life. I will not give ground to the enemy any longer. I receive it in the name of Jesus. And I give it in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. For your love, mercy. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Community Church, you can visit our website at ccorange.org or come follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash community orange. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.